you know, we want to welcome everybody here. Everything all at once? Everything all at once. It's honestly a sensation. Aliens listen to it. So you were saying that your whole interest in plants and gardening started when you were 12. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I kind of started uh, early with uh, cannabis. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. 12? Yeah, yeah. That's an ambitious 12-year-old yeah, right there. When is. I was 12 years old and smoking pot, I was like, <laughs> I had no idea or dreams or aspirations of growing at that point. Yeah. It took, it took me until about 17 or 18 to try it. Not smoking it, growing it. Yeah. Well, I was like 11, and uh, my buddy was stealing it from his mom, and, you know, that was... Right. And while well, it had seeds, so sure, you know, might as well we stick always a had a, yeah, always had a family garden. So <laughs> I was like, well, heck, if I can grow this, then we don't have to go without. So you know, yeah, no first, more worrying about mom being pissed off when you steal a pot anymore, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my family they were they were just real straight laced. I mean, no, didn't drink, didn't you know, mm-hmm. no drinking or drugging or anything. But yeah, so it kind of kind of you know, the first plant got about that tall, and you know, of course, it was. We smoked it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That sounds awesome. Mission accomplished. Yep. And uh, so, Mike, that's how you got started in this whole thing, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, that was that was where my love for uh, for gardening started, or for growing things. Um, uh, as and now got, you got your own farm. Yeah. A big know. farm. Yes, I do. A legal farm, too. <laughs> exactly. Not growing yeah. cannabis plants <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yep. My, uh, my, love, uh, my love for the gardening or for, for growing things, um, that's, that's where it started. Um, and then uh, it wasn't what I, what I was, what I was growing wasn't satisfying me so then I mm-hmm. started playing around with you know taking this and crossing it with that and and really messing with the genetics of it small time geneticist I can't remember the guy but in biology we learned about the dude who did all the pea plants and stuff like that we did a little bit of that but it sounds like you were you were much more involved in in that whole cross-pollination and, it, and growing than I ever was in biology class especially at 12 years old yeah well it just happened to be that uh, right around that time um, you know, we were learning about plants and mm-hmm. how plants, you know, um, how they share how genetics. They, uh, yeah. And how they, uh, um, how they'll like, uh, they'll cross with one another and you'll get hybrids and you'll, you know, that, that type of thing. So, um, that kind of led me into, you know, boy, I could do something here and right and cannabis uh, has like a short enough grow lifespan y- that you can, you can manipulate it, you can yeah. manipulate it and you can kind of fast track yourself instead of waiting that whole cycle of growth flower seed all that stuff you right. can kind of jump start it and get absolutely make a lot more progress real quick exactly yeah yeah you can take you know 20 years of 20 years of uh study and condense that down into it just a couple of years yeah you know? but it was um it became you were probably a superstar to all the stoners. It was. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, it was. It was um, one of those things, though, that it it uh, definitely controlled my life. You know, it got to the point. Whenever I got older, I was. It it, I was very dependent upon it. You know, right. not so much. You know, um, 
not so much like a, I wouldn't say it was a chemical addiction, mm-hmm. but it was definitely a, um, a physical addiction. And just there was nothing that I would not do to protect what I had worked for for all those right, years. Right. It just made life unmanageable. You know, you're always looking over your shoulder. It, it was just, it was putting me into bad places mm-hmm. mentally. So I, uh, it's. So it became, just, it became an obsession for you that took up all your all your time and all your effort were you having dreams and stuff about it oh yeah yeah i feel I mean, like that's it, it like was every 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 part of every decision you make is is made with that In there mind. there's that uh there's something about you know i have to i can't go on vacation because you know nobody knows about this you know this mother plant in the closet and mm-hmm. you know so it was it just became it just was made life unmanageable i'm sure and and starting at 12 my life was already extremely unmanageable mm-hmm. at that point and i could only imagine like with uh starting that young you probably and being like uh an inquisitive young person that's like learning about genetics and cross-pollinating and hybridization i can only see that getting very serious very quickly it did. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah, that's uh, kind of the nature of it. You right. know, whenever, especially um, when you have like an addictive personality, no matter what you do, it's going to, you're going to take it overboard. You know? Right, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. you're going to, it's heavy. I, I mean, I, re- I remember, you know, when I dabbled in, in trying to grow pot, just like sitting in the room and just staring at the plants you know just like that would help it fucking grow and <laughs> yeah like, giving it my good energy know, really. like, I'll, oh, not even good energy though like i'd be just staring at it like watch. flower flower come on you know, like fucking, <laughs> yeah, i want to smoke yeah. this shit you know? <laughs> right. hurry up <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's all in the lighting <laughs> and just just like that same obsession i feel like a I can tell. I know I'm an addict because that obsession comes up in other areas of my life too. Mm-hmm. Like this podcast, for instance. I know once I start having dreams about something, whether it's a video game or a book that I'm reading or podcasting or whatever it is, I've reached a point of this is starting to consume my life a little bit. Sure. You know what I mean? When yeah, I feel absolutely. like when you, when when the the way some of the stuff that I've read in the past about dreams and about sleep and about. Uh, manipulating your dreams and getting into them and certain things manifesting in your dreams a lot of it is about just spending time doing like thinking about the same thing over and over again that way when you're unconscious that just automatically pops up into your dream yeah and that's how you become the best at what you want oh you yeah. live it I yeah mean, that's you, you know, put the time in right absolutely they say after ten thousand hours you become an expert in whatever it is that you're doing yeah but it has to be 10,000 hours of conscious effort. You know what I mean? It can't just be me out in the backyard swinging a golf club ten, for 10,000 hours and not actually like looking at it and analyzing it and doing it consciously in a way that's going to correct things or recognize things or make changes. And it seems like this was very much a, a conscious effort. You know what I mean? For yep. you. Yeah. And now you have your own, you're, you you moved away from that and you have your own farm now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, uh, um, it's been, I've been clean for quite a while, you know. Right. Kind of Sorry. I meant over. to say that earlier that no. Mike has been clean for a number of years yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. It's going on six now. It's incredible. By yeah. the way. Congratulations. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, it, uh, it's, 
It took me three years before I could even grow a tomato plant. That's wild. It was just because, you know, I just felt so triggered and so like I was missing out on something. And, mm-hmm. you know, most all, most other plants, you know, you don't have a male and a female plant that you can, you, know, you can't manipulate plants as fast, like you were saying, you know, as fast um, as you can. But what I'm finding out now, there's so many more rabbit holes to, to run down, you know, and it's, it's that... It, it's, I guess, taking that addictive personality or that addictive uh, trait that I have just right. ingrained in me mm-hmm. to put it to good use. So there, there's so many things that we use to that, like certain skills that can just transpose into other areas of our lives. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I'm sure all that plant knowledge was pretty important when you're starting to grow other plants as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's, um, it's not so much just the just the you know the plant itself that's just the product of what's living in the ground Mm -hmm. you know so so you have um where i'm going now is really studying uh soil life you know with the um like the what's the mushroom stuff called the mycelium mycelium i was going to say mycology and i'm like no that's a study study of of, the mushrooms yeah. yeah but um uh and you've got you know you've got to have your your um the fungal and bacterial count Mm-hmm. kind of equal you know pr- pretty well balanced some plants like it a little bit more bacterial uh heavy some like it so just it's really cool though because you know you take this plant and you can check um you can check the health of the plant by taking like um uh, looking at the sap through a refractometer so you can see the sugar content mm-hmm. or the bricks of the plant which is like and you can actually you know feed your plant a little something and and everything that i do is um I'm not certified organic. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I will not. I re- absolutely refuse to put any chemicals on my on my uh, on my property. Yeah, I feel like that's a very uh, important thing to do. Um, well, like what was the one back in like the '80s, '90s, '70s? DDT was that mm-hmm. what it was called? DDT. Yeah, just just like ruining and uh, Roundup. Now I forget the scientific name, but that's yeah. obviously not good <laughs> for people. I think science has shown. Yeah, and what you're doing is you're just blasting, you're killing all of the life in the soil. Mm-hmm. And you need that life because, like, so like a plant, um, through the photosynthesis, it takes the, uh, it takes the, um, the sunlight. The sunlight. And it, it takes a carbon dioxide out of the air. And it's also pulling nitrogen, all of your other mm-hmm. all oxygen, of your other, everything. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and then it it'll send it down into the roots, into the rhizosphere, and it exudes that out, and it's feeding the biology that's in the that's in the soil. Mm-hmm. That then is going and pulling its um, through the through the exudates and through you know like um, the byproduct of these things dying and and eating and defecating and all of that. There's there's um, enzymes and there's uh, acids and bases and stuff that are that are uh, working into the into the soil and it's breaking down the the nutrients that's actually in there. It's it's too it's too big for the plant to uptake. But once these once the the um, microbes dissolve it, now the plants can uptake it. So they're actually going mm. out and they're pulling they're pulling the nutrients in. So without um, if you kill everything, if you spray everything with with uh, like a, a pesticide, um, you're killing not only the the 
the bad bugs, but you're killing all the good bugs too. You're killing stuff that's in the ground. You're killing, you, you use uh, fun, fungicides and you're just killing the the mycelium, fungus, the yeah. mycelium that's in the ground. Right. And, and that's point. working for your plants. Yeah. Right. And I think that it's, uh, you know, it, I think people don't really realize or appreciate that just because like an object is inanimate that it's not also like a living thing you know mm -hmm. so you just like oh i'm just gonna you know spray this shit so these bugs don't get on it and eat them up when you realize that you're just like destroying the life quality of, of yeah. the plants you're trying to grow as well and then you got to dump the fertilizer in it, exactly yep so by removing one thing you need to replace it and the way a lot of people it seems to me the way a lot of people or farms are doing it is by adding in that nitrogen fertilizer or whatever it is that they need instead of just letting the earth naturally do what this system was designed to do exactly you were talking about roundup so now you're killing all of the you're killing all of the weeds mm -hmm. well the weeds are there because you know the earth is trying to cover itself you know we've got a seed bank you know billions of of seeds that have just dropped onto the onto an acre of land they um they're trying to grow they're trying to cover the soil it doesn't like to be naked you know mm -hmm. um because then you're it heats it up uh so you can keep the if you even if you let the weeds grow you know, i mean it's it's tough because then it, you know it's it interferes it doesn't actually take away from the the plants because there's those roots mm -hmm. the the exudates that are actually feeding more biology in the ground so it's actually the biology is converting more and more of the locked up nutrients for the plants so it's really cool so now like now you get into um uh, cover crops you know certain crops will uh fix nitrogen into the soil and um they'll help uh fix potassium and in, in your your uh, phosphates there's others that collect all of that stuff you know like your your radishes they'll they'll collect all of those nutrients and they just sit there and mm -hmm. it's like a little reservoir of of nutrients it's just so like if you can if you can start to if more people would keep the ground covered then we're not going to have um you know wind blowing blowing the uh the topsoil off you're not going to have the rain every time the, the rain runoff. hits and mm -hmm. that runs off yeah right. it's just amazing that, that has like massive effects on the water around those surrounding areas all the the nitrogen and the phosphorus getting into lakes and causing massive algae blooms and absolutely stuff. yeah it's making a mess it is yeah so from like a business perspective though you know how do you how do you deal with the the bad pests then you make healthy plants make healthy plants yeah that's yeah, one of the things the a couple of the gardeners have hit on that out here is that bugs and pests actually well bugs specifically don't see healthy plants they they're designed in a way that they only see the parts that are rotten because that's the parts they can actually eat and digest sure and this is a rabbit hole that i've been going down <laughs> i really just just to cut in really quick i really yes. appreciate the scientific approach that you've taken towards your garden oh, thank or towards you. your farm yeah, yeah thanks yeah i mean i'm i'm a thinker you know i just i i tend to overthink things but now i'm trying to do it in a positive way <laughs> right oh, yeah but like you know what you were talking about is the you know, insects can't eat um, certain. Okay, what it is? They cannot. An insect cannot digest complex proteins. Mm -hmm. If your plant is very healthy and has a very um, a very um, proper diet, we'll say, they develop complex proteins, so they can't eat that. Now, okay, think about this. 
and this is kind of what got me going here and I'm trying to figure out how to how to do this with my with my plants um, you've heard the the story about the um, the moth flying through the night sky she secretes a, a pheromone that says that she's ready to mate mm-hmm. the male moth is three miles away and he smells this pheromone mm-hmm. okay so this droplet is like microscopic right and that male doesn't really have a nose mm-hmm. okay but he's got antennas all right the chemically that droplet will have an odor okay physically it's resonating just like everything you're familiar with resonance and, right you sure know, re- everything, yeah. everything has a separate has a different frequency so if that pheromone is resonating at a certain frequency his antennas are in tune to that i don't know if you're you might be a little younger um you might not remember going out with a pipe wrench on the on the aerial antenna to pick up tv stations okay (laughs) when i was when i was a kid i was always the one out there we lived out in the country i had a pipe wrench and we had one of those aerial antennas on a pipe and i used to turn it and you know i'd hear my brother or somebody inside saying hey whoa 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 you went past it go back so it's like okay right, right there now um like shortwave radios they travel forever Mm -hmm. and um so if this is and it's not obstructed by wind it's not you know it just it cuts through all of that so this insect with the antennas that are picking up this frequency can hone in on that and he knows okay she is right that direction i'm just gonna keep flying until the until the signal gets stronger and then i can find her and then maybe he can smell her once he gets close enough i don't know if it's scientifically proven but Mm -hmm. that's like you know, where sense. my main where where my mind sure. sort of made sense of it. Mm-hmm. So if these insects are using their antenna, that plant that is um, that is ill is going to have a resonant frequency that is not compatible. It's not it's not at the same frequency as one that has complex proteins. Mm-hmm. That Interesting. makes a whole yeah. lot of sense. I think yeah. it makes sense to me. Yeah. I don't know if it's proven, but it makes sense to me. So uh, that's something that I'm trying to, I would love to be able, yeah, you've seen these guys that hook uh, things up to different plants and they turn into oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so like, I'm wondering, like, I, I wish I knew how to test the frequency, you know, to, to do some, like, little science nerdy shit on that right. kind of thing, you know? <laughs> kind of see what f- frequency the, the rotten fruits or whatever are making and yeah, see and if it kind of matches that. up or whatever. Right, yeah. So. If, I see, if, I see a, if I see an insect, let's say I have a beautiful tomato plant that is insect-free. The one beside it maybe has some aphids or something attacking it. If I could, like... If I knew what frequency that was at and what frequency this was at, then, I mean, it would be like that refractometer. Whenever you're checking for the bricks levels, you know, you might be able to tune your plants in to the right frequency. Or maybe reproduce that frequency and spray it over your field. Yeah, yeah, just kind of have that. That's super cool. That's very very science fiction sounding, but it it makes sense in my head. It feels like you're on to something that might be revolutionary. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But there's, I mean, there's been, uh, there's been scientists that have studied like insect antenna and, um, and their work was, 
classified, yeah. you know, and they came up missing. That's the way it always seems to happen. <laughs> yeah, Whenever yeah, somebody he, invents something real cool, yeah, they, yeah. they get suicided or something. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, something happened. <laughs> Hung in his jail <laughs> cell, I don't know. Yeah, weird. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so we don't know anything here, yeah, really. Exactly. Mike's <laughs> yeah. making this up. Yeah, I'm not actually... Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, we already pretty sure they're listening at this point so I'm sure double yeah. lock your door tonight yep. and uh stay safe yeah take me out that's all right it's okay if they i feel like at this point if they if they come after you they're coming after me and dave too yeah. so that's yeah. cool yeah and, 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 i don't yeah. know if it's cool we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> right I'm not, I'm not, I'm, we're gonna have the episode uploaded on monday and within like 20 <laughs> minutes there'll be like a fucking little part that's redacted by right. the yeah. U.S. government. Yeah, the black band shit about that But uh, we'll face that when it comes right nah, now. It's it's all good. I mean, it's, <laughs> but it's, it's just, I mean, there's, you know, it's so much more than just Throwing, you know, digging a hole and sticking a plant in the ground, throwing fertilizer See, on it. See, that's how I want just... my plants to work, though. Yeah, I'm well, not. I'm no, not, I'm then... not good at plants. I really do well with plants that thrive on neglect. Yeah, and even some of those ones, I'll still manage to kill. Yeah, but uh, give me a cactus. Cactus, it. I mean, they might make it. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> right. So, what are some of the? How how do you change these uh, bacterial and fungal? compositions of your soil to give the plants what they need and can you like look at a plant and be like oh this one needs more bacteria or do you have to use that it micron would, it would be more of a more of a soil test mm -hmm. that uh, that'll kind of tell you where you're at but it's kind of more of feed them you know i mean if, if you if let you them think do they their need, thing. just let them do their thing yeah give them the best environment you possibly can and and uh, learn from it. You know, mm -hmm. some things don't grow. Sweet potatoes, I mean, they, they like to be starved. Yeah, I mean, they grow in some horrible soil. <laughs> Other stuff, you know, needs, need, you know, they're real heavy feeders. They need to be, uh, they need to be really cared for, like my garlic. That's... Really? That's, oh, uh, I don't know. I, I top it with about four inches of uh, compost. Mm. And so I give it a lot of food through the year. and it's just the cracks is, in my driveway. Do you? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, little little tiny garlics or onion or chives or whatever yeah. green onions. So yeah. that might be a little bit different. But yeah. that was not the plant that I imagined needing more attention than others. Yeah, and it might not. I mean, I just know that's how that's I how did it, and I had amazing results. I mean, I'm getting garlic bulbs that are they're three baseball size. Mm, uh, between golf ball and baseball, oh, like, yeah. a, like a Christmas ornament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a size. few of them that size. Yeah. That's awesome. And do you do you work at all with like sister plants or I forget what like plant husbandry? Or? Oh, um, like uh, the three sisters. You know, like the beans come. You know, adding. You know, you're, you've got your beans and your corn and your squash. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I don't know specifically if it's those plants, but I know that there are certain plants that really benefit off being near each other. That's kind of what I'm referring. Yeah. To. Okay. And what that all boils down to, it's. It's um, um, so like the corn. We'll we'll use corn and beans. Your uh, your bean is a uh, that's a legume. Mm -hmm. Okay, that one is as long as that uh, you've got the right um, uh, mycology in the in the uh, in around that seed, it will as that plant grows. It it um, it fixes nitrogen. It collects nitrogen, and, and if you pull the roots out, I mean, you'll see these little like nodules that are mm -hmm. growing on the roots, and they're just little pockets of nitrogen. Oh wow! Corn, 
is a real heavy feeder of nitrogen. That's why you plant those next to right. one another. Right. So it's the it's the um, the, the life yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's life in the soil that's that's helping one, one plant. Another. So there's a lot to that, you know, and it's a lifetime of learning. I don't know what, yeah, what like, plants to plant next to one another, it's but like, it's like a big game of chess, you know, trying to arrange all your uh, pieces. pieces together so that it's just like the perfect. Uh, you perfect uh, communion of them so that they you just get the best quality and yeah. the, and the biggest uh, absolutely yeah. the healthiest the most and okay so what we're aiming for is what you, the the what you're ingesting you know the the end product the fruit if if it's if the plant is raised properly, you're going to have a tomato that is so much more nutrient dense mm-hmm. than than it. I was just than listening like a to store bought tomato. Yeah, yeah, uh, or or a conventionally or chemically grown, you know yeah. grown tomato. Um, but I was just listening to something the other day. It said that that it's f- I think it's four times. You have to eat four times the amount of vegetables today to get the same nutrients that you had, you know, yeah. um, years ago. And that's because of the topsoil deterioration and stuff like that as well. Uh, sure, sure. Um, and the chemicals that we're adding to it. I know that when I'm harvesting plants that I forage out in the woods, I have to be careful with how much I eat at a give, in a giving sitting because it has so many more nutrients than a traditional plant or meal that it could make me sick. Mm-hmm. Like uh, garlic mustard and like fiddleheads and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I know that you have to portion those out kind of carefully or you will get, your stomach will be upset because it's not used to it's taking too that. too rich. Ki- yeah. yeah. Not used yeah. to taking that kind of stuff. Plus they taste way better. Oh, they do. I mean, gosh, you, you grab a chicken of the woods or a, or a uh, lion's mane mushroom and fry that up and it's just like wow All right. you know it's there's so much more and even to like a strawberry or a tomato mm. you know what i mean like yeah. an organic tomato that i bought at a store versus a inorganic tomato that i bought at the i mean they're miles apart yeah i was just reading about lion lion's mane's mushrooms today which is interesting that you just brought that up because i've been trying to be healthier that's the coffee that i have upstairs it's lion's mane yeah it destroyed me i drank it once and it when my my stomach was like this isn't processed it has a lot of neuroregenerative properties to it and uh i used to drink it me and uh my old roommate matt used to drink it every single time before a poker match and we were like when we were doing this we were both like crushing it like we were winning a lot of poker and we credited every time to the coffee and then funny enough one night we're like no you guys can't have any of the coffee because we had already been telling everybody they can't have our mushroom coffee and our one buddy just went up there and got himself some and he ended up winning that night so it was just like as far as science goes to me my little brain 
And my inner scientist was like, well, that proves that it's the fucking coffee, obviously. It may have been. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it could have been, you know, you raised, it could have been like a uh, uh, placebo effect. You thought that it made you better. I have a Harvard so shirt did. just for that, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's like a, I, one of my buddies told me a long time ago in like high school or middle school that if you wear a Harvard shirt, you'll perform 10% better on a test than everybody, than if you weren't wearing a Harvard shirt just because of the placebo effect and the confidence that it gives you of wearing like a harvard or a yale shirt or whatever Mm -hmm. and i let me tell you i wore my harvard shirt religiously every all through college anytime i had an exam it would get real nasty towards finals week just because i felt like i was giving myself that extra little you were taking calculus tests with a pen weren't you (laughs) (laughs) yeah i felt that good about it i didn't i didn't need what do you need an eraser for when you got a harvard shirt god or like going out to the i remember you know, I've been in a few weddings, and like when you're going out to the the bar or something in a suit, you just feel like you can just like kill, That's a it, kill it. You know, yeah. yeah. Right. And I'm like, if I'm out in my usual stuff, I'm like, I look like a slob. But when I'm in a suit, I'm like, man, the lines are coming out. Like, you know, <laughs> just smooth as shit. Like, yeah. Like I need to buy some suits and just wear them everywhere. <laughs> everywhere you know? right? yeah, I, I get it. Why the people do it on TV and the mafia and stuff like that? How could you fail in a sweet suit? Yeah. Exactly. Where did your name come from, Mike? Fireberry Farms. Okay, Fireberry Farms. So, um, I started the uh, I I started the farm as a elderberry farm. Okay. Fireberries. So, so the elderberry mm-hmm. is if you go if you trace the the name elderberry back, it is um, aledberry, hmm. which uh, in like Anglo-Saxon. Uh, translation is fire berry so it's um, what they used to use originally what the plant was used for the the stems have they're a woody stem but they have a pithy center so they would push the pith out of the out of the center and then they would have this durable fire you know like a a A straw. straw yeah so you know they didn't have lighters and matches and stuff like that so they had to when they traveled they had to take their fire with them so they would have their you know their embers in their you know whatever fungus that is um or however they would carry their embers the one that paul stamens wears on his head Uh have you never heard of him no he's a famous mushroom mycologist and he has a certain hat that's made out of a mushroom that i think is this one you're referring to oh okay anyway i'm sorry cool so what they would do then is whenever they got to where they were uh setting up camp or whatever whenever they had to get their fire going again they would take their their elderberry stick and they would they would use that to direct blow the blow air and di- to direct the air to get the fire going so that's that's how i came up with the name fireberry cool um, i heard a coin by by um another grower um chris patton he's uh uh chris patton and terry durham they were they were doing a uh, podcast hmm. and i was like fireberry yeah, it's might be the name of my farm right. so yeah so that's where i went with that and then we just kind of started growing from there i got about two thousand elderberry plants in and elderberries are an interesting plant too yeah they're one of the highest uh i think aronia is the only it's the only plant that the only berry that's higher in antioxidants than um than elderberry yeah it's definitely fabled as like a very medicinal berry you yeah. know people sell elder like where did you make syrup with it or did you sell it to people that were it, making syrup or salt to whatever they want yeah whoever <laughs> yeah. Buy, yeah i mean jelly jellies and syrups and and uh shrubs and and uh different tinctures and 
but mm-hmm. I mean, they use they you can oh my gosh there's so many different uses and and ways to ingest elderberry right but it's um uh should be cooked you know it's mildly toxic it does have uh um cyanide precursors in it um mm-hmm. as do like you know a lot of stuff you know apple, apple seeds, seeds yeah peach pits and whatever you know so you should cook it it neutralizes it um, okay but uh yeah like 90 percent of the elderberry consumed in the united states is imported from europe mm. Mm. that so, doesn't surprise me yeah, yeah yeah and they actually have higher the american varieties um are lower in the cyanide precursors as well so it's easier to to refine then probably it yeah i mean to cook it it's it's good right yeah. plus it, you can probably i mean a lot of the times when stuff like that is is shipped across the country or across the world or whatever it's because they have some sort of uh advantage like economic advantage but yeah. i really couldn't imagine uh them being very competitive if you're growing elderberries on your own farm right so and getting them to distributors they're okay so elderberry is it's kind of a funny one there's it has to be harvested by hand hmm. and uh they do have uh machines now that destem the that'll destem the elderberries but it's all hand work it's hmm. very labor intensive that's why it's not and i guess you know strawberries i mean you've got migrant workers uh picking you know picking mm-hmm. strawberries not only migrant workers but you know yeah. i mean that's pretty much a bulk of our mm-hmm. our uh harvester through migrant uh migrant labor but mm-hmm. um and elderberries are for people who aren't familiar they grow on like a grapevine right no it's a it's a bush it's it's okay. uh yeah they grow on a first year primocane so um the um uh, how do i explain it what would it be like raspberries no no it's maybe a little bit more like a blueberry bush i suppose mm-hmm. you know but um it uh it only grows like i said it only grows on the first year's growth there oh, are really? some varieties like marge i think that grows on the second year um mm-hmm. the second year's growth but um they speaking um, of plants that are on growth you're out in like ginseng country too aren't you yeah yeah i might or might not have found some ginseng around me too <laughs> yeah, yeah right that's yeah. super secretive yeah, right there not to absolutely. blow up your spot but i've always wanted to find some out there like yeah because i i whenever i'm out in the area that your farm's in or further uh east mm-hmm. i'm always like hoping that i find one just because i've never seen one in the wild yeah looking back in some of the pictures looking back in some of the uh little nooks of you know the northern facing uh uh, wintergreen gorge that's possible northern northern facing mountains out there is what you're referring yeah yeah that's where i've heard it could be found too is the northern facing wintergreen gorge yeah. it may or may not be out there i've never found it it likes know. a shade yeah you, know, it likes you, shade you want some heavy cool. cover i kind of want to grow some in my backyard and it it I'm... won't have the same properties yeah it's yeah you can even take native ginseng native wild ginseng plant it cultivate it yourself and it doesn't have the same oh. uh, it, it, i mean it does have some of the same properties but mm-hmm. it's not it loses its potency Dang. whenever it tries it's one of those things that the nature nature needs to yeah formula. and it also um maybe it's the fungal you know we're mm-hmm. we're talking about the mycelium you know your forest floors are just i mean it's a fungal um it's a fungal dominant environment yeah so. well I, I have a my thought process was my they like shade and cold weather 
I have a backyard that is so shady I can't really grow anything else <laughs> in it that uh, maybe some some ginseng would grow back there. But to bring it back around, ginseng can only be harvested after seven years yeah. of growth, whereas these elderberries will only grow on the first year, Right, which so, is interesting. Which is kind of neat because then uh, every year after, after year three, you want to give them a good three years to, to develop the root system. But after that, you go, you copus them. You take them right down, right down to the ground. So you just you just hit them with a big, yeah. You could brush hog them if you want. I'd be a little more delicate. I use a, um, I use a weed eater with a with a uh, saw blade on okay. it and just buzz down through. But and I'll keep mine up north here. We, you know, I I think it's a maybe a little better to keep them up maybe past the first leaf node. Mm-hmm. But um, and, and that's how it all got started. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a favorite type of, uh, like when you were young, it was obviously cannabis. Do you have a favorite type of uh, uh, plant, vegetable, uh, fruit, whatever that you like to grow now? What challenges you the most? What, mm. what really gets you thinking? Tomatoes are, uh, outdoor tomatoes are a difficult one. I'm putting up a, a greenhouse or a hoop house this year, 20 by 100 hoop house. Oh, sweet. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Yeah. NRCS grant. So, oh, wow. you know, That's any, amazing. yeah, any listeners out there, you know, that are, that are, uh, into agriculture, it's a pretty simple, uh, pretty simple application. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so you'll be growing in the winter now. I, uh, <laughs> they're not supposed to be heated, but no, what I, what I would love to do. So, the the uh, high tunnel I get from through NRCS I cannot put heat in that everything has to be grown in the in the soil. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to have more greenhouses up, and sure. which I would definitely um, I would definitely uh, heat mm-hmm. uh, some greenhouses. That way I can provide my customers with with produce all through the year. So right, and I hear I th- I know a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of interesting geneticists or farmer geneticists that really go crazy over peppers. Mm. I love peppers. <laughs> I'm not a geneticist, but I fucking love peppers. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a friend that was really big on all sorts of different kind of peppers and growing peppers for a while. Yeah, I grew my first Carolina Reapers this year. Oh, nice. Oh, I won't bite there, into one again. I had, <laughs> my, my, yeah. my same buddy that I was drinking all the mushroom coffee with ordered a bunch of Carolina Reapers, and I remember for a while we were everything we ate was just so ungodly oh, hot it yeah. was it was like a challenge it was like miserable challenge like it was good i like hot foods but holy god they'll wreck you yeah. oh, oh my god we had the curry the one time we we made like four or five people submit when we cooked food for them yeah. using yeah. these peppers and like, get like halfway through it and they're like uh, uh, yeah i'm not i'm not eating it <laughs> was the only time ever that I've had to stop through like a normal portion, like a quarter of the way through, and I was like, I can't eat this right now. <laughs> and him and you know the other guy were giving me a hard time, and I ended up finishing it. But my lord, it was so fucking hot, you know, oh, like gosh. It was brutal. And there's no way to use those like appropriately. There it's, isn't. It's no, not like no. I can find like a, I can just put like a, the tiniest amount in, and it'll be medium. Yeah. It's just everything is just. Yeah destroyed well not destroyed i mean i like spicy stuff but it's gonna be hot like no matter habanero what. hot is 
is I love I love habanero. Like I'll take a habanero and put it in like a jelly bag, mm-hmm. and then cook that in with my sauce. And I take the jelly bag out. That way, whenever somebody's eating your spaghetti or your whatever, they don't get a chunk of yeah. habanero in their mouth. You know. Sure. Um, but that that helps because then you get the heat, you get the flavor, but you don't get that. Oh no! A chunk like right. oh god! Yeah, <laughs> I mean it'd be rude to take this out of my mouth right now. <laughs> it's a it's a hot take. No, no pun intended, but uh, to me, like those reapers, they're like the fuck. They're like the fentanyl of the pepper world, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just like, oh, this is kind of tasty. Then you're like, too much, too much, too yeah. much, you know. Just like, like a speck. Yeah, yeah. And that's all yeah. it takes. And that's, and that's all it takes. Yeah, and a gallon of milk. And, right. Yeah. And was, uh, <laughs> a rough tomorrow. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, no, that was uh, peppers are pretty cool. Yeah, but as far as what my favorite. Plant to grow? I don't know. I can't really choose one. Were you growing other plants when you were growing your cannabis? Did you have a yeah, little? Yeah, a garden. I always had a garden going. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I always tried to go, you know, organic or natural, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, studied a lot of organic growing techniques and, and things how, like that. How did it turn into something more than just a just a hobby for you? Well, my, uh, my kids are grown. Um, I work in Warren. April works up in Erie. So with gas prices the way they are, I'm, you know, living at my farm. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so I've got a lot of time on my hands and idle hands. I I don't, you know, so it just, it gives me, gives me a place to focus. And, you know, I go, I go crazy if I don't have something to to occupy my mind. I've been str- I've been off this past week, and I gotta say I've been struggling a little bit personally with what to do with myself. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's tough, you right? Know? So that was um, that was why that was a lot of the reason why I started why I went that way. And I've had I've got I don't know it's about eighty five acres, mm-hmm. and I've got um, about sixty five of that is timber, twenty is is uh, field. So. I'm slowly getting this farm back up and running. Um, was it a farm originally? Originally, yeah. I mean, the guy had you know some some cows and you know some pigs and that kind of stuff. But uh, that was years ago. So this farm is about a half an hour or half a, a half a mile away from where I grew up. Oh, cool. And um, I was the youngest. My uh, my parents moved. Uh, they moved off the hill and into town as soon as I graduated. And I was like, oh man, you know, this, you know, that's not home anymore. So the whole hill is, um, owned by three different families. You know, they own all, you know, mm-hmm. you know, they, it's just owned by three families except for this piece of property. So from the time I was 18, I started, uh, stopping by and talking with them, you know, every year, at, you know, it took me 20 years of stopping and having coffee with him and asking him if he'd sell me some property before he finally did. And I told him, I was like, you know, you can live here until you die. I'm fine with that. I just, you know, this is where I want to die. And, um, so I ended up long story short, I ended up with it and, and just slowly getting it worked back. It's expensive to get, you know, to, to rehab. It's kind of cool getting old and having that extra money to throw at these hobbies now. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'm not raising kids. I don't have diapers to buy and and stuff like that. So I'm dreaming um, for the day my student loans and house are paid off. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like I'm going to be fucking rich. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's just kind of 
I'm working into, um, so I've got the produce, uh, starting a CSA or a subscription box uh, this year. Oh, sweet. Good for you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So that'll come out every month or so? And every, week. Every, yeah, every week. Every week. Yeah, it'll be nice. about $30 worth of produce in a box. And this is pretty cool. So, like, I was telling you, I've got uh, 65 acres of timber. So I'm, I'm farming that as well. So, like, uh, there's just doing crop tree release, you know, uh, taking this tree away and this tree away to so that this one you know blossoms gets bigger faster um well those trees i'm i'm going to be um turning a lot of that into biochar and adding that back into the soil so mm-hmm. that that you know so that that um the adding that carbon back in biochar is burning the wood it's just charcoal okay. yeah taking okay. that you know and just burning it in absence of uh, oxygen mm-hmm. so um and it's a it's a lot cleaner and so you can take that carbon you can either let it rot and it's good for nutrients for the for the forest floors and the tops you know you want that to rot down but when it rots the co2 goes right back into the atmosphere and that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to like you know sequester as right. much of that as possible so you um you turn it into charcoal and then you inoculate it with your um with your um uh uh, compost or you know microbes mm-hmm. and you get that into the soil and it just it's there for thousands of years right um so i, I forget where i was going with this but the um oh so the the logs so every customer then gets two um two wooden crates remember the old wooden crates you know like dorm rooms would mm-hmm. have wooden crates you know? oh yeah sure yeah yeah so keep records in them yeah exactly keep whatever a nightstand or whatever so mm-hmm. i'm gonna bring those back i'm gonna be building crates so each customer um has two crates at the end of the season you know they always have one i always have one right so then at the end of the season they get to keep both crates and then we'll start all over and i'll put fireberry farm on sure it. yeah of I think course people yeah. love that people love like vintage Vintage, cool, like, yeah. Stuff. Going Especially back to if it, times. it's made out of your own lumber. There, exactly. Do you have like a logger? Oh, I am. Yeah, I got a sawmill and everything. Yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. A yeah, sawmill. I've got a sawmill and right yeah. Those are big, impressive, scary machines. It's this is a big one too. It's about, <laughs> yeah, it's about sixty feet long. Wow, it's got a big shit. yeah. It's a circle mill, like you know, on Bugs Bunny. Whenever they tie somebody down, run them through the saw. Right, that's what yeah. I got. Yeah, cool. <laughs> very cool. So, and. Uh, Getting the subscription going and stuff. Yeah. Do you do like a lot of restaurants and stuff like that? Do uh, they I, get I do have one chef uh, down in Warren, um, Chef Kurt. Uh, he is uh, he has been very helpful with me. Um, uh, he just he, he loves what I'm producing and and uh, really is promoting me heavy. So Good. I'm like just very appreciative. Yeah, very appreciative of him. Feel, he is a great dude. Yeah. Around here, I feel like the quality of uh, like there's much more of a market for farm to table produce today in Erie than there ever has been, at least in to my knowledge. Yeah. You know, yeah. all these new restaurants coming up trying to deliver like really top tier products and for top tier products, you obviously need top tier produce. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, in the last like the, at least what do you think like 10, 15 five, years, ten years, five, ten years, there's just been like this health revolution. Like even at like the fast food places, you know, when we went to McDonald's as a kid, they weren't showing you the fucking calories on a Big Mac. <laughs> yeah, you know? people are more yeah. concerned about where yeah. their food comes from and what they're putting into their body for sure. Exactly, farm yeah. to table is just you know almost a preferred way to go out and eat now. Mm-hmm. And I've been reading a lot as well. 
Um, <clears throat> my buddy Javed, I mentioned him a bunch of different times on this show, has been pushing a bunch of articles down my Facebook feed about how metabolic disease and the internal gut biome and what we eat and stuff has like even they're discovering that it just continues to have more and more of an effect on our overall health and well-being you know just that putting the right stuff in our body just makes such a huge difference and having the right i mean we are what we eat like really when you look come down to it plainly like everything that my body is made of right now here in this existence is based off of the foods that i've put into it you know Mm -hmm. just reformatted and and changed chemically into this being so it makes a lot of sense to me that if i don't have the right parts to put something together like even if i was putting together like a car or whatever it is I, it's not gonna it's not gonna work properly without all the stuff right and you know the first place I learned that this is uh, what started my journey learning about eating healthier and treating the body right was in was when I was in treatment when I was in rehab we had a counselor that was real uh, big on on the connection between digestive health and mental health and uh, so you're right you know yeah. It's crazy, like it's all one body working in a system, but we kind of separate like how we're feeling, you know, with into when, another thing, into another thing sure. that's separate from what we do to our bodies, you know, mm-hmm. and like yeah. it definitely, like it has to be connected, right? This is all one working. Like, it has to be, yeah. And really, you're not feeding your body; you're feeding the microbes, which are feeding your body, just right. like, just like soil. You're feeding the soil, which feeds the plants, mm-hmm. you know, and. Like, our bodies are only made up of, I mean, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's, we'll say 10% of our body is human. Mm-hmm. The other 90% is, you My, know, microbes, right. you know, bacteria. and di- food yeah. and transferring everything it, around. It's amazing. It, you know, it's just <laughs> like... <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and it's it, it seems that, like, this system works so well until humans get involved yeah you know what i mean we just like if if we just ate the things that were around us in the earth and around the earth and didn't fuck with them yeah like we'd probably be a lot better i completely agree with you yeah 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 yes but there's more profit in uh yeah in mass producing mass producing do you have to like compete with that at all? Do you think, or is I mean, you're not really not competing really. with them. No, because people, people know people are really becoming educated on what they're eating. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you if you know your farmer, uh, and you are willing to, if you're concerned about what you're putting in your body, and you want to know your farmer, if he doesn't like allow you access to see what he's doing yeah you probably don't probably not eat what he says you're eating you know but you know and and most most farmers are like yeah you know you're welcome of course they're very busy so they can't really entertain you know like when i'm on the farm i'm i'm busy but i would always take time to you know be as transparent as i possibly can Mm -hmm. you know i might have a conversation with you but i'm going to be planting or i'm going to be doing something right um while we're talking but um, it's, I think people don't, you know, in my prices, I, I mean, I kind of price my stuff in between organic and conventional, mm-hmm. you know, what you're, what you're buying at, like, you know, um, the co-op Wegmans or, or, you know, something like that. Yeah. So, um, 
and then, you know, like my customer, you know, my, my, um, CSA people, you know, I mean, that's like anything they get, you know, if they're going to sign up to be, you know, for the subscription, then they're going to get like 20% off of everything that they, anything that I'm growing, uh, it's whatever they want is, is a 20% discount. So that's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, what it does is, you know, it's, does it save you from having waste? Oh, yeah. it, it definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, really nothing goes to waste because it gets composted. Right. But it's still, you know, you're still picking it, cleaning it, you know, and plant, you know. So it's a lot of time and, and stuff. But it's, um, yeah, it. it uh, it's good stuff. Have you thought all about any animals? Yeah, actually, I'm uh, going to. So. I've I've trained oxen before. I've had a team of mm. oxen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's very that's, and, yeah, that's yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm I don't have many more. When I was whenever I was you know really um, heavy in my addiction, mm-hmm. I I ended up I had to give them away just because I was so you know back and forth and just you know I wasn't able to care for them the way they needed to be cared for. So I gave him, I gave him to a uh, friend of mine. Um, and boy, I really want to get back into it. So like, you know, I was living in a shed on my farm and mm-hmm. you know, just a little Amish shed and, uh, winter time, I, 18 months I lived in there. And so I had babe and Otis and which are, they were my oxen. I took my chainsaw out in the woods and I cut down these aspen trees and, you know, pulled the, pulled the trees with the, you know, Dogs, Dave and Otis yeah. and stuff, you know, took them to my sawmill, um, saw them up and timber frame this house with a chainsaw, hmm. you know, it's not a real big house, but it's, you know, big enough, perfect size for me, you know, and right. I built it like right on my pond and it's like off the road. So I'm out there, you know, sort of like away from everything. Sure. Um, but the oxen are, you know, I really want to get back into, into a team of oxen, but, mm-hmm. um, and, um, some beef, uh, I, I'd like to get into some beef because you need the, you need to mob graze to really help build your soils up right. and, and, and all of that. Then follow behind them, you know, three days later with, uh, with pastured poultry mm-hmm. and, uh, maybe some laying hens, you know, maybe a thousand laying hens, you know, so I can offer eggs chicken you know some broilers uh, some beef some pork that's a whole genetic rabbit hole too oh, chicken <laughs> me, and, yeah. me and Celinda watched a watched a like have watched like three documentaries probably at this point just about like chicken and them going to compete in these competitions and how they have to get all the genetics right and yeah. the chicken has to be just fucking perfect to compete in these yeah. ridiculous competitions they're so much fun chickens are cool I mean, they, they're neat birds. They're mean. I mean, they can be, I mean, like to people, they're usually pretty nice and pretty mellow, but. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. If you put something out there though, they'll, they'll fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. You get a wounded bird, you know, bird flies into a window and they see it and they just like, it's brutal. The chickens and the cows too really seem to be like one of those, uh, like symbi have one of those symbiotic relationships. Sure, they they don't they don't share um, um, food sources. Well, yeah, they'll share food sources, but they won't share um, your uh, parasites. You mm-hmm. know, so like the cows. Whenever the cows, um, if you follow behind the cows um, three days after the cows go through, you send the chickens through. They're 
in that three days, the, the fly eggs now are larvae, the chickens are scratching through, they're getting a bunch of protein from all these, all the larvae, and then all the, um, uh, the, the grasses and stuff that the cows didn't eat, you know, you, you don't want to, you, you want the cows to mash everything down into the ground, but you don't want them to eat all of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, it's just a, it's, it's a really cool system, but yeah. And then after the, the plants and the chick or the cows and the chicken come through, you got good soil for you know, and compost and everything Absolutely. else. Yeah. And you just keep circling them around, you know, you just keep cycling them around and, then when they go into their high use area in the winter time, you uh, you bed them with uh, you know you'll bed your cows with wood chips and hay or whatever you know some waste hay some wood chips, just keep throwing some uh, shell corn mm -hmm. down in between the layers. Not for the cows, you know they might try to pick at it, but um, that those layers that corn will ferment and then in the spring you know and it's it's um it's composting too so the bed pack is warm mm -hmm. that they're laying on all winter so the microbes and bacteria are all yeah, doing their yeah, thing but it's can... a it's um it's anaerobic and there's a lot of pathogens in the anaerobic what uh, do you compost. mean anaerobic? it's it's um doesn't have oxygen okay. in it okay. so um so your there's a lot of pathogens in that so you don't want to use anaerobic compost on your plants so what you do then is you bring that corn is in that fermenting. Mm -hmm. So then you bring the pigs in in the spring. <laughs> the pigs come through and they root up that bed. They turn the bed for you, mm -hmm. and the oxygen gets into it. It heats up. It kills everything that's that's in there, and it's now it's an aerobic uh, compost. And it's um, I mean it's just you know, very very healthy for the garden. So then that goes on there. So it's all you have to have every every piece working for you circle of life it is yeah, yeah. yeah it seems I, i'm very much convinced that nature does a much better job at all of this stuff than humans ever did yeah but when you have a population of of a hundred well let's just say a big city we'll say pittsburgh a couple million people okay. how are you how are do you think that it's possible to feed all of those people if I'm farming in in a way like you that's uh, good for the good for the environment and natural? Yeah, absolutely. Most certainly, I think you can with enough space. Absolutely. Do we? Okay, so you you go down through go down through town. This one really I scratch my head over this. If you look, um, and this is just, and I'm only using just for instance. You go down State Street, and if I remember right, there's like some maple trees or some type of trees that are that are lining, mm -hmm. you know, along the sidewalk. Why put a fucking maple tree or a, or an oak tree yeah. along the city street where you've got homeless people walking up and down? Why not put apple trees in? Yeah, where, a lot of cities are know, moving that direction too. Uh, I've seen ones that is in the south. Is it Atlanta? Maybe where they have peach trees? Yeah, I yeah. mean, why not? Why plant? Or no, put blueberry bushes instead of barberry hedges. Yeah. Blueberry bushes. Or raspberries or... Whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, start making... I mean, our landscaping should be edible. Mm -hmm. It just makes sense to me. So, I mean, it, it makes... You yeah. know, and then, and then these other, you know, the blighted properties. You know, they tear the lots down, and then it sits and then nothing. it just sits there with nothing. Right. That's a nice, valuable piece of piece of land that you could... I mean, you can, you can vertical garden on that stuff and... and yeah, we had, an, a lot of... we had another guest a while ago, um, Tess Frawley, or Tess Folly. 
But she was really interesting. I, yeah. I heard that. Yeah. The yeah. ER. Yeah. yeah. She's all about that. Uh, um, you know, bringing the 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 suburban garden to life. You know, or the urban garden, yeah. or whatever kind of garden, wherever you're at. You know. Yeah. And uh, it does seem like a a really big waste to me personally to have like a a yard that doesn't have. I mean, I can't even talk about this though because I don't have a I don't have a garden. I can't really grow a garden in my backyard you or could, my front if you yard. if you if you had the desire to, you could. I would have to chop down the trees. No, there's shade loving. There's some shade loving there's stuff. There's some shade loving stuff. I guess yeah. you're right. I thought I considered uh, actually putting a flower box on the roof of my garage. Do it. Yeah, I, I'm concerned it might get too hot at this point. <laughs> That's my only concern. Um, but I've thought about it for sure because I I am uh, skeptical to my ability. Like, I've tried to have plants grow in the back in the past and have a garden, and it's just not... Conducive. Not an ideal situation for the plants. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm not a gardener, so maybe I'm doing some things myself that are not YouTube. super great for the YouTube plant. University. Yeah, right. University. I still might yeah. be watering them too much yeah. or, you know, whatevering them not enough. And uh, so that's why I'm thinking the roof, get, get them a bunch of sun up there where they'll get all that, all the, all the light that they need and sure. can control the environment a little bit more than down on the ground. But yeah, I mean, the yards and just the grass and stuff. If we, I feel like if we want a sustainable future as a society and as a, like a species, we need to start considering those kinds of things a lot more. Yeah. And not only that, but like financially, I feel like it's so much. It would be so much. Maybe it wouldn't be. I don't know. I would have to. We would need an economist here to really look into the big effects of everybody having their own garden. And growing instead of a front yard, if they turn that into garden space and grew their own vegetables yeah. and stuff like that, like, yeah. would you still be able to be in business? Sure. I mean, yeah, because there's like, some people that don't that aren't going to want to do it. Yeah. You know, so like I'm okay. thinking like grand scheme of things. Like so, if there's some sort of revolution where everybody's growing their own food and and eating it, and then what do we do with all the farmers and all that stuff? I think people would still be gluttonous. You know? I'm sure people, not sure. everybody I mean, would go on it because okay, so you've got. How many how many trailers you see cruising around with four wheelers on them, you sure. know, and then the snowmobiles in the winter, and then the sleds, or mm-hmm. then then the boats in the summer, and the you know some people like the recreation. They don't want to be tied down to a to a garden. a garden, you know. So you're going to have a lot of people that don't want to do it. But if it comes right down to, okay, you got to eat. Mm-hmm. You're going to figure it out. Either that, or you're going to starve. You know, and, and like let's say let's say your your setup isn't conducive for a certain type of, you know, plant, you might be able to grow something. Yeah. Didn't, you could trade with your neighbors who have a nice sunny yard, you know, trade, swap lettuce for whatever you're growing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's shade loving. Um, yeah. It's all it's, about it's developing those relationships. A community like it used to be, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if you had, if you had excess, uh, excess food, you'd, you'd make sure that your neighbors were, were, we're fed taken well. care of yeah, yeah but we've kind of gotten away from that yeah there's a huge societal everything's competition nowadays yeah i feel like it'd take a, a very big swing to go back to like yeah. the you know the old trope of the neighbor coming over to borrow the sugar type thing yeah I mean, or to drop off yeah. a basket of yeah. zucchinis yeah. or tomatoes or whatever it is they're growing yeah i had a friend that i worked with a long time ago that said told me that you could tell who did not have friends because they didn't have tomatoes from them. Really? 
Yeah, because everybody that has friends, sure. one of their friends is going to be bringing them over tomatoes or cucumbers or zucchinis yeah. or produce or whatever. And Interesting. I, yeah, I mean, I have a very cool friend that probably won't listen to this, but she uh, let me eat some of the, the uh, venison she cooked up today, you know, just got to stop by and eat some venison. And that was dope because I'm too much of a animal lover to... Uh, kill a deer but i sure will eat yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and that's that's tough to to kill like i don't i i don't like to you know i don't i don't have a deer head hanging on my wall sure but i got venison in the freezer mm-hmm. you know we'll put it that way you know like my my desire isn't the the kill of the animal or the hunt of you know mm-hmm. to, to hunt showing the animal. people how big of a deer you got yeah yeah it doesn't matter i mean i i eat it and i'll you know respectfully will harvest it mm-hmm. and take care of it that's the tough part about having animals on your farm you know you're nurturing these you know you're feeding these you know you're you're feeding them you know you'll be feeding your cow a bottle you know from Mm -hmm. you know for the first few months of its life you know and then you're raising this thing to to be eaten you know and eventually you've got to you've got to take its life and it's not something that i take with a grain of salt you know it's something that is um that is i don't know there's a lot of uh reverence yeah you know in doing that it's it's a difficult thing difficult part i've been seeing pictures of josh um who was on the show a while ago he got a bunch of pigs and the one of them they're calling big red and i see all these pictures of him and his partner like hanging out with him and like cuddling him and feeding him and stuff and i'm like oh man that would be tough. It is because I, yeah. I, me as like a, an animal loving person, I w- I'm sure I would get attached. Oh, Especially yeah. if I had like an extra specially cute pig, like running a little cute little red baby Something pig running around my yard that connects with you, right? Like you know, isn't that like an an old like Native American thing, like with the bison? Like you you kill the bison, but out of respect for the bison, you'd use every single part of it. Oh yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean you. You don't want, I mean, there's some parts that you just... You, know, you can't use. Yeah, I don't. I mean, we've got, yeah, we've got places to buy moccasins now. And, right, you, know, you don't I mean, need but, to be making weapons out of leather. Right, know, right. But no, I mean, you definitely, you know, like the, the bones, you know, you, you, your, your beef broth, you know, I mean, just mm-hmm. nothing better than a good bone broth. It's, you know, it's just, it's so healthy and, and yummy. Yeah. But... No, so you, yeah, like you're saying, you, know, you try to use every bit of that animal that you can, right? And um, the rest of it goes into the compost, and it feeds. You know, you're feeding the microbes, and and it seems I feel like our society or the culture we live in is very much like a wasteful culture too. Like definitely. that idea, like even I see it in like old people, like older family members, grandparents, stuff like that. Like they save everything, you know, they use everything. They mm-hmm. they don't make extra stuff you know they use what they need yeah. and to like make a meal or to make whatever and the rest gets saved for like later on or uh, and i feel like a lot of people today are just so it's like even myself it's just so easy to throw things in the trash oh yeah yeah i mean i see plenty of and you know i'm not a parent so i can't comment on it but you know, I remember when I was a kid, it was like you got your plate for dinner and you didn't get up to your plate was gone. And yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's something that just doesn't happen as much anymore. No. But even in so many other aspects, too, not just like food, but like 
plastic and like all of these things that are single use and throw bags. away leaving bags the, leaving yeah. the lights on remember the <laughs> i don't know if you remember the book covers the brown paper bag book covers oh, you know yeah, school yeah, book yeah, covers yeah. yeah you can't do that with a walmart bag no you know i mean those paper bags are made up in maine right and you I, know and it was these i don't know you know i mean they were used for everything until they were like nothing, nothing and turned back into the into the earth you know my grandma used to save her plastic bags yeah like yeah. fold them up and keep them on a hanger. Yeah, my Even. mom. My mom folds up the plastic bags and she puts like the the Walmart bags and stuff. She folds them up a certain way and puts them in uh, saves her tissue containers mm -hmm. and puts them in tissue containers. So oh, that's smart. When she needs one for like the bathroom uh, for the bath, you know, she just pulls one out. Another one pops up and right. it's like that's I, a very smart way. To we do have it. a bag. Yeah. We have a bag bag, but um, it was interesting because she like took so much care of them. Like, yeah, she could use yeah. them for. A long time. And I, I try to reuse and repurpose stuff like that. But I'm also kind of, ha I know it's like, it's been like a bit of a frustrating learning curve at first, but I am it, glad to see that more grocery stores are moving toward away from plastic bags yeah. and you have to bring your own bags now. Yeah, that's and a great idea. I leave them in the trunk of my car or in the house all the time. Now I'm still working on building up my routine. So sometimes it's like, oh, I wish I just had a plastic bag, <laughs> but, um, but I, I feel like that's probably a really smart, good thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's the frugality for me. Like, I was just at Giant Eagle the other day, and they charge five cents for a paper bag if you don't got one of theirs. So it turned into a game of how much can I carry <laughs> in my arms without yeah. spending an extra nickel. Yeah. You know, 20 cents for bags. Yep. Yep, <laughs> for sure. It's, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but... Uh, uh, the whole fireberry farm so like it's i feel like a little kid that's building a tree fort kind hell of yeah thing but like you know have some money to back it you know i have a job and all that to to help develop this so like i'm completely off grid i don't it's exciting yeah it's really cool you know I, so like I, the house is 65 degrees all summer long you know i've got air conditioning no solar okay yep i've got a heat uh uh mini split that i can yeah you know, i can use it for heat but winter time this time of year you're not generating a lot mm -hmm. so you have to conserve a little bit more but i mean my well my water well's 200 feet deep so it's you know it's a 240 volt well pump so it's water's heavy it takes some power to get that out but i mean my irrigation is run off of that the um all of my lighting, my freezers, my I'm actually putting in a walk-in freezer, walk-in cooler mm -hmm. uh, for the produce. Um, I yeah. thought about getting solar on top of my garage too. Yeah, I don't have the extra. I don't have the money right now to do it. But well, there again, YouTube University. Yeah, start studying it. You can get it pretty cheap. The solar panels, mm -hmm. they they can't put them in a landfill. There's too much nasty stuff in them, so it's so I can buy some used ones. Absolutely, yeah. And fix them? Yeah, no, you don't even have to fix them. Oh, I mean, they're all tested because like they'll take these big solar farms, and the solar panels are like 250 watt panels, and they can replace that same size panel with all of the infrastructure already there. All they're doing is swapping panels out, mm -hmm. and now they're bumping them up to, you know, 450, 490-watt oh, panels. So, so like, they're find, doubling the output. i got to find some used solar panels. Yeah, Santan Solar, man. I had, like, 1,400 Santan Solar. Santan solar. They're out of, they've got a place in um, Georgia now, too, but they're out of Arizona. Um, I got, like, 25 
250 watt panels delivered to Erie from Arizona for like 1400 bucks. Oh, that's, that's a good deal. Yeah. I, don't need, I don't even need that many either. That's super good. I'm definitely going to have to look into that because I like to do electronic projects and stuff like that. I'm, I, I, I fancy myself a bit of a, a nerd and I like to do electronic wiring like i've fixed different stuff around here with wires and i've just been interested in something that i've done ever since i was a wee lad and uh definitely sad i love lad. it yeah <laughs> knee high to a grasshopper but uh that would be something i'm interested in i also have a friend who's building an earth ship that i would love to get on the show um and he wired up like i think it was like 400 laptop batteries oh yeah together to use for his solar system sure. that he's got going on yep. so well look the tesla like the tesla vehicle batteries they're just a whole bunch of those 18650 cells you know like your vape pens mm -hmm. it's they've got like oh, just those 3, yeah there's like thousands of those all <laughs> that's all wired up that's what those batteries are yeah yeah there's people doing like entire yeah yeah, um, power walls out of those eighteen six fifties. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's yeah. real cool. Good for them. Yeah, good for society and uh, the world and America and everything. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, All keep being it. creative, people. Keep doing your thing and learning stuff and be your own scientist. Follow yeah. your passions. Don't be afraid to be a kid. Don't be afraid to <laughs> kid and experiment and see if something yeah. works because. The, the opportunities are out there and uh, it's just about and if they're not out there you got to make them that's my new thing I'm telling myself is make my own opportunities yeah. you don't you, you're not learning if you're not failing right yeah go down yeah. them rabbit holes go down oh, keep yeah. digging yeah. be an Alice <laughs> <laughs> well Mike this has been super fun I loved having you here I, I feel like I've learned a lot from this conversation and I definitely. hope that people are going to enjoy listening to it I, I, I'm sure they will they definitely will yeah. yeah yeah all of our Tony, Dave, it was a pleasure. Man. Yeah, it was yeah. super yeah. fun, dude. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you, everybody out there, for listening. Uh, hit, a, hit like or subscribe on our YouTube or Facebook walls or anything, social media, because it really helps us fight against the evil algorithm of Mr. Zuckerberg. And uh, we're all about young, new, enterprising people and fighting the system. So fuck him and fuck social media. If you feel frisky, you can also check out our Spotify page. Yeah, Spotify page like that, too. Give it stars. Review the page. All that fun stuff. We love you guys so much. You make this all worth it. We love Peace. Y all. Peace. Right on. Peace. Love you guys.